were sad Ava was not able to be there, and we were sad that uh, Maddie McMath could not be there, who's serving in Germany, uh, working along women in the sex trade. And so we're just, uh, we are thankful for this whole group that came. Uh, to say it was a great trip would be an understatement. Literally, it was a 10 out of 10 on every single level, uh, just engagement, investment, relationally, spiritually, personally. Uh, we had an incredible time and just a beautiful setting, uh, really, really, really aware of God's presence and the whole thing. Uh, and I will say again, I know they were talking, but I mean, literally, it, it was amazing every time they would, you know, or they would look at something or get a gift or whatever it was going out, like, it was like a kid at Christmas every single time, right? Knowing the things that you guys gave and the prophetic word and prophetic art that was sent. They're just looking at all this stuff going, oh, my gosh, this is overwhelming. And it was really powerful. Again, I could spend all day talking about it, but it was an incredible time. I'm super thankful. Randall literally put hours and hours and hours into this, uh, and it was amazing. And we're excited to keep on doing these things. Again, our hope in all of this was... Yes, we want to do these things, but we talked to them and said, hey, our goal is to build a level of camaraderie just among all of you. Like you are a part of the vintage family, and we're there, and you're encouraging and speaking life into one another. And our hope was now we've built these and established these relationships, let's allow each of you to be encouragement to others. Because one of the most difficult things when you're on the field is the sense of isolation and being alone so many times. And so having people who understand you, and know your world and the things you're going through is powerful. And so this group here, we're hoping that, that there's a level of camaraderie, unity, uh, and honestly, just investment into one another. So just pray into those pieces. Pray for us for wisdom for next steps and how we can continue to grow in that. So now in this, again, the retreat was amazing. And, and, I, and as you watched all of these people um, who are on the screen, like these are people who, who feel uh, called by God to a specific place at a specific time to a specific people uh, for the purpose of expressing and sharing Jesus and the idea specifically of being Jesus where they are. That's the idea, sharing Jesus and being Jesus. And so we saw the video. We have, we have Tammy actually here with us today. So Tammy's been in Otterme, right, the real angel of both. And so they, she's been serving, like she said, for over 20 years in Southeast Asia. And you know the story. Like she, she's taken children into her home who have become family to her, loving them, disencouraging encouraging them, discipling them. She has a family support program where she said, hey, let's invest into families who are around us so that children who are in difficult places, we can come alongside and financially support them. We can help them get education. We can provide food for them so they don't have to leave their homes, so they can stay in their homes. It's like a, it's similar to foster care, but a little bit different, but it's still this, like this idea of investing into the families and helping them, coming alongside of them, right? Right? And the things that she's doing are incredibly powerful, right? She has so many of her own kids now who are married with their own kids, and they're, they're serving, right? They're serving either in vocational ministry or workplace ministry, but all of them have a very clear understanding of the, the power of prayer and the power of God to move through them. It's been powerful for our relationship just to watch since 1999 God moving in powerful ways. Lance Cantor, again, here we saw on the screen, working with YWAM in Scotland and different 
different levels over the years. Uh, he leads teams, very gifted in the prophetic and prophetic ministry in Scotland. And specifically the last couple of years, doing these, um, c- connecting with the history of revival in Scotland and leading teams of people to these, these revival hubs, these places of God's movement. And in that place, hoping to see a, a, a level of life poured into those who go so that revival comes in all the places across the world. Again, Jacob and Tatum, so many of you know Jacob and Tatum. They moved from YWAM Reading to YWAM Atlanta, and they're in the process of, of basically restarting, reinvigorating life there. They've already got a DTS that's going out soon, which is a discipleship training school. And this DTS is about taking young adults, 18 and older and saying, hey, we want to get you on fire for Jesus. We want to take you to the 1040 window, which represents longitude, latitude, the most unreached people group of the world. And they're going with an incredible passion uh, to see young people come on fire for Jesus to ultimately be a catalyst for the gospel and a catalyst for revival across the world. Kurt and Ava living in the Middle East, right? Living in a, in a place where the population of Christianity is 0.01 percent point zero one percent and they've been there for for about 10 years they were home for a little while because of covid and kind of got stuck here because of covid and in that time god began to do a work with which has been really cool they went back and said our greatest struggle is figuring out how to find credibility where we are how to build relationship with people when people say hey what do you do for a living we can't really tell them what we do and so we kind of just talk about different things but it's always been really really awkward people think we're part of the cia legitimately right just kind of the tension and they go back and god opens up a door and they 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 start a coffee shop if you're not following them on instagram i encourage you to do that they open up a coffee shop and immediately there's credibility immediately they're in basically by providing jobs for people they're investing into the economy of the area and providing jobs for other people who were where they in the place where they live and they've said man it's just been so invigorating and so life-giving for for for, for myself and for ava opening up doors they told a story of a of a of a woman they led to christ a couple of years ago and they decided her, but then when they left, she was working at a coffee shop in, in where they live again. And, and in, in that, there was this level of discipleship that happened because she was there with other believers and said, we get to do the exact same thing. And so they're really, really excited. You can be in prayer for them. But I want to end here with Scott and Rebecca. So many of you know Scott and Rebecca Crawford. They were here in part of Vintage for, for over seven years. Scott's my best friend, and Scott and Rebecca are some of our closest couple of friends. And so it's been really cool watching them. And I'll tell two two stories specifically around Scott to launch us into this morning. They're again working with Cadence. It's an international ministry that's specifically uh, really working in, uh, in, 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 the, in Air Force, Army, Marines, and the Navy, right? And they're working on the naval base here in, in Jacksonville. And, the story, and so it's been really powerful, the things that God's doing. They're on the base. They're leading Bible studies, connecting with officers. They're connecting with um, just the enlisted folk. And, and one of the piece that's been really cool for them a couple of stories. One, they had a story of this uh, young man who came to the small group they lead on a weekly basis. And he came. He didn't want to come, but someone made him come. And he told them that, like, I don't really want to be here, but my friend made me come. And he gets there, and he's doing doing life, eating the meal. And 
man, like all of a sudden, he just falls in love with every single person in this group. Scott Rebecca falls in love with Scott Rebecca. They said, hey, do you want to come to church on Sunday? He's like, sure, I've never been to a church in my entire life. Yeah, that'd be super cool. I'd love to go to this thing you call church. He goes, he's super nervous because he's never been there before, doesn't know what to do, right? And so they go through church, and it's really similar size to vintage and style of vintage. He gets feels very loved. They get to the very end of service, and they have ministry time just like we do. And they said, all of a sudden, we watch as he gets up, and he goes down to get to prayer. And they're like, what is going on here, right? Does he even know what he's doing, right? So he goes down, right? He goes down, and to this day, they have no idea what happened but something happened, literally, right? Like God, like prophetically met him in the moment and spoke something. He comes back. It's like, oh, something's different, right? The next week he's on base and people are walking up saying, hey, 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 listen, there's this small group Bible study thing. I don't even believe in Jesus, but you should come, right? You should come to this thing. It's so amazing. You get great food and they love on you. It's become their, like it's his primary community of people. He starts going to church every Sunday. He's literally gotten ministry time prayer every single Sunday from that point forward, right? He literally sitting down with Scott, just talking about his life, talking about the things he's wrestling with, just asking for breakthrough in prayer, right? And then he left because he got invited to be part of the officer school, which is a really big deal. But his desire when he gets finished is to come back to Jacksonville because this people has become his primary community. I have no idea where he is with Jesus. Scott doesn't really either. I guess only Jesus knows. But wherever he is, he's in this place of having taken these massive steps towards Jesus because of the ministry ministry of Scott and Rebecca. It's really, really powerful. Now, one of the stories I want to end with with Scott is this, and, and again, I, I like, I probably embellish the story that makes it better, right? And so in this moment, right, in this moment, they, they, they move down there trying to figure out what to do, and Cadence comes along, and in the process of that, somebody from up here calls Scott one day and says, hey, I've got a friend of mine who's interested in faith and has questions around faith. Would you be willing to meet with him? He's like, absolutely, we'd love to meet with him. So they get together, and he's, you know, he's, he's an atheist, self-proclaimed atheist, but man, I don't know what's happening. He doesn't really know what's happening, but something's happened where now he has this stirring, right, the stirring of something going on in faith. So he sits down, and Scott said, I thought we were going this direction, but, man, God did this incredible work, opened up the heavens, and we're having this dynamic gospel-centered question and answer time around Jesus, and it's obvious that God is stirring something in this young man's life. And after about two hours of meeting at the coffee shop, he looked, I look at him and say, listen, man, this is really the time where a lot of people, People would say, hey, why don't you pray a prayer because it's obvious that God's moving in you. But I would prefer not to have you pray a prayer today. What I'd prefer to do is just to continue to meet on a weekly basis and just talk about things of faith, right? This idea of like discipleship, right? The kind of, kind of discipling him before he even gives his life to Christ. And so they continue to do that. He, continue, he starts going to their church, right? He starts coming to this small group. And man, it's like super powerful. He's loving it. God's doing this incredible work. Throughout four or five weeks, right, four or five weeks they're doing coffee, and the guys say, man, I've been reading my Bible every single day. It's so alive to me. I can't get away from it. I have all these questions. He starts asking question after question after question, saying, well, I was then, like, I stopped and was thinking, and I felt like maybe God was speaking to me and saying this. What do you think about that, right? This is powerful movement. Finally, you know, Scott says, bro, now, 
Like, would you like to pray a prayer and ask God to come into your life and physically? That's the very thing I want. Yes, please. Yes, please. Right. Leads to Jesus right there. And Scott said, I didn't know why God gave me a pool in my backyard. But now I know because next week we had this massive baptism party and I got to baptize it in my pool. Right. Super, super cool. Man, this kid is loving Jesus. Now, in this story, here's the thing. We celebrate all of this. Like we talk about their calling, we talk about their commitment, we love the faithfulness and the conviction, we love the sacrifice of, of those who were serving, right? But it's important to note, and here's where the shift comes, they're no different and their calling is no different than yours and mine. Their commitment their faithfulness, their conviction, their sacrifice before the Lord is to be no different than your own in the life that you're living every single day. They are living lives on mission. And each of us are called to live our life on mission every single day. Now, if you were here last week or if you weren't, we had a good friend of ours named Russell who leads, he's the pastor of the church at Dwell Apartment Complex down in the Marietta Smyrna area. And Russell, last week when he spoke, I encourage you to go listen to the message, but he spoke about when he said that each of us, each of us have a calling in our life, and the calling is the same for those on the screen and for each of us. It's to be an ambassador of Christ and to be a minister of restoration and reconciliation. I'll say that again. We're each called to be an ambassador for Christ and a messenger of, excuse me, a minister of restoration and reconciliation. You know what an ambassador is. They're ones who represent someone. They go in the authority of that person. Everything that they say and everything that they do then is to represent who that person is. And that's what we are for Jesus, right? We are ambassadors. Those on the screen, they are ambassadors. We are ministers of, of restoration and reconciliation. We're going to look at this in Second Corinthians. But the idea that those who don't know Jesus, they're far away from God. They're far away from God, right? And the idea is that we then have been called to bring restoration, to help bring them back to a relationship with Jesus, to reconcile this broken nature of relationship. And so when we talk this morning and hear these stories and see these great men and women of faith who are doing incredible things, recognize it's great and we celebrate them, but they're no different than you and they're no different than me in their calling. So often, unfairly, we like categorize Christians. We like talk about certain types of Christians, and then we put the missionaries up here in a whole different pedestal, right? Tammy's like, yeah, you should, right? No, but you know, this, this whole pedestal we put people on. Oh, those are the missionaries. They really love Jesus, right? They're leaving their comfort zone to go to these places that God's calling. It's so exotic. It's so powerful, right? And we celebrate as if they're different than us. And the reality is they are no different. It's just a different place, a different people, a different setting. But they're no different in calling. They're all called to live life on mission as ambassadors and as ministers of reconciliation and of restoration. We are to be those who are called by God to love what Russell said last week, our beloved enemies. 
those who live opposed to God, those who live separated from God, and many times antagonistic towards God, recognizing that these are the ones that God loves deeply, and he's always working to draw them, to save them, to be near to them and bring life to them. We're the ones who get to bring that message of love and of restoration and reconciliation Again, when thinking of these people, again, those Russell called beloved enemies, it's important to note they are the ones, yes, that our missionary families are ministering to across the world, but they are also the ones who live next door to you. They're the ones who sit in the cubicle across from you. They're the students who who sit in class with you, those of you who are students, for those who who have kids on sports teams, which seemingly is everybody today because that is this major cultural thing where we live. Every single one of the parents and the kids are those who are beloved enemies of God who you are called to be on mission to. You get to be the ones, that's the place where you are. I could sit here and tell you stories over the last 11 years with my daughters playing high-level softball. And they have, listen, I never forget sitting on third base one time. I'm a third base coach, right? Third base coach. It's a really important job, just so you know. I mean, it was super important. It was a pretty big deal I was standing there, right? And I'm sitting there on third base, and this guy behind me, who's a buddy I know from a previous team who knew knew who I was, and I talked about my faith, and he knew I was a pastor, he said, hey, Steve, Steve, I'm like, yeah, what's up, bro? I'm like, he's like, I talked to you. I'm like, yeah, go ahead, go, okay, right? And he starts talking to me, and he starts talking about his life, and starts talking about his kids, he starts talking about his depression, he starts talking about these suicidal thoughts he's been having because I'm coaching third base, and I'm like, hold on a second, good job there, good job, okay, okay, keep on talking, it's so awkward, right? And so it's this beautiful moment, I look at him and said, I said, hey, bro, this is a little bit bigger deal than just like a third base coach talk moment, right? Maybe we could talk after the game, right? It was a beautiful moment just being able to be Jesus in the moment after I finished coaching my girls, right? But we had the moment. Here's my point. Like, it's powerful. Everywhere I go at every moment, that's the place where God's moving. And every place that I go and every people that I meet, I get to be a minister of reconciliation. I get to be a representative of Jesus. Russell built his conviction from 2 Corinthians chapter 5. He looked at verses 11 through 20. And this morning, I simply want to read verses 17 uh, through, through 20 of your Bibles. You can turn there. It says, therefore, and underlie the parts I want you to see. If anyone is in Christ, anyone, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. All this is from God who reconciled, made us one with himself through Christ, and then gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And here we go. And he has, he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. 
Again, I tell you all the time, it's super important not to overthink and over-theologize, right, and over-Greekicize the New Testament and take some of these things that are just common, just common language that are very direct and hold on to them as the call that God has, right? He gave us the ministry of reconciliation. He's talking specifically about Paul, about himself, but it's passed on to us. He's committed to us then the message of reconciliation, and we therefore now are Christ's ambassadors. You should all press pause and go, okay, have I embraced this? Have I embraced this? Am I living as ones who recognize myself as a missionary in the same way that the group on the screen are missionaries? Am I living my life in a specific place with a specific people, with a specific time, with the message of reconciliation as a representative of Jesus wherever I go in the world in which I'm living? That's the call. The message of reconciliation. God's representatives. Like it's powerful. That should be convicting, shouldn't it? If I look at you and say, you're Christ's ambassador. Everywhere that you go, every word that you speak, every action that you take, every nonverbal facial expression that you make, every way that you, every thought that you have that people connect with is a representative of who Jesus is. I don't say that to guilt you, but I do say that to you to put a holy weight on you. You don't belong to yourself, according to Jesus. You belong to him. We are each called to lay ourselves on the altar every day as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God for the purpose of his will through you, so that through God, God through us can make his appeal to the people he's put us in round, to the place that he's called us to, and the moment in which we live. There's a weight to this. There's a sobriety that comes with this message. It's not easy, and that's okay. Because in Acts, Jesus said, basically, in some words, I'm going to paraphrase for Jesus here. Hey, you can't do this on your own. You can't. You can't. You don't have the power. The whole Old Testament is a picture of how we just can't do it in our own strength and our human power. So I will send my spirit to empower you to go be my witnesses, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then to the ball fields of Paulding County. Right? Sometimes in a fishing boat, too. Can I get an amen? Right? So, so with this... I want to look at, I'm going to just, I'm going to pull out four verses from what I did not read, 11 through, 11 through 16 of 2 Corinthians 5. I'm not reading the whole section, I just want to pull out these four different verses, because what we find in these, we talked about it last week, Russell did, we find the actions, the motivations, and the perspective that's to define our lives. Verse 11, it says this, you can put it on the screen, 
we try to persuade others. So I love when Paul says this. He's coming, he's coming the moment saying, we're just trying to persuade others. It's an intentionality of communication to move people. He's looking at people. He's looking at these people whom God loves. He's looking at those who he's been called to. He says, I'm living my life to persuade them by my words and my actions that Jesus actually is who Jesus says he was. And he brings hope to those who were distant from him. We try to persuade others. It's not passive. It's active. Our action, the thing that we're called to is to persuade as an ambassador in how we speak and how we relate and how we act towards the world. Do, are you confident that you live your life as a persuasion for those who don't know him? To call upon our life. Verse 13, he says, so if we're out of our mind, as some say, it's for God. I don't know about you, but there's nothing wrong with being called crazy for Jesus. That's what he's getting at. Says, the way that we live, people think, that's just, that's just crazy. That's so uncomfortable. I, oh, right? He's like, and if they think we're mad for doing it, so be it. We do it because we love the Father. We will get crazy for him. David says, he says, you call me undignified. I'll become even more undignified than this because of my love for the Father. You don't want me dancing around in my underwear. Who cares, right? I'm doing it because I'm passionate about Jesus. That sounds crazy, Steve. I know. We could do it a little more crazy. You could. I don't know if the world that you're living in is a little crazy itself, but sometimes it takes crazy to win over crazy. Verse 14. Verse 14. It says, For Christ's love compels us. What compels you? Like, that's the beauty of conviction. What compels you? When you wake up in the morning, what motivates you to the actions that you do? Like, I, I woke up yesterday morning before the 3.30 duck hunt that I was going on as a Georgia Bulldog, right? And Thank you. Georgia beat Oregon yesterday, the Oregon Ducks. Okay, just clarifying that. Amen, brother. But I have to look up in the morning when I wake up and go, Jesus, I'm excited about the game today. College football started back. I mean, oh, so much better, Jesus, that you created that and gave it to us as a gift. Thank you. But I have to even wake up and go, but God, is what's compelling me to my day. Like, I want to make sure that my love for the Georgia Bulldogs and the Duck Hunt at 330 is this second, right? You know what I'm getting at. I mean, that's silly, but, but my point is that like, there are so many things we're passionate about and so many things that we enjoy and so many things in our life and whether they're sin or not sin, things that we give ourselves to. And, and they're saying, Lynn, when we wake up, we're just compelled by our love for Jesus, which just automatically, because we are with him and we hear him, what he's passionate about, we become passionate about. And we are compelled then to share the gospel and become crazy for Jesus because when we're with him, he just awakens his passion inside of us for the things that he's passionate about. And we can't help but be ambassadors and bring bring about a ministry of reconciliation because we're just compelled by the love of Jesus and the things that Jesus loves. And all I say to you is, like, that's just an invitation to you this morning, saying, see, this is not where I am. 
great, thank you. Listen, there is no guilt and condemnation for you. This is the beauty. When, I, when the Lord speaks that I feel like, oh, God, I could be doing better. He's like, I know, but just start. Just start. That's as simple as it. Like, don't live in condemnation and beat yourself up. I'm so bad. I'm so bad. Like, it's, a, it's, an, it's okay. Thank you for waking up. Now, let's be compelled. This morning is just an invitation to wake up and allow Christ's love to compel you. Verse 16, so from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view. I'm not going to go political. It's okay. Don't worry. Don't get freaked out. But we're about to step into a political season. And I wonder, I wonder how we're going to regard people. Because Paul says, in all things, I never regard anyone from a worldly point of view. When I look at them, I see them to the best of my ability how Jesus sees them. That's why, that's why Jesus says, just turn the other cheek. Love your enemies, the beloved enemies. How? Well, because you never view them from a worldly point of view. You, you view them from a spiritual lens, a place of brokenness, a place of humanity, a place that they are filled with sin, just like all of us have wrestled with sin, so we understand their broken places. Listen, on third, last, we could go Thursday, Randall and I moved Sarah into Sanford University. We are officially empty nesting, and so it's been, in which it's been crazy, right? It's really, really good. We're excited about that season, but on Friday, went to breakfast with Sarah, then took her to Target, right? Because trying to, like, thin this out, and then she was done with us, right? And so, which was fine. <laughs> it was fine. It was expected, and we went over to, so we went to Randall's friend's house that night, and we did dinner, and it was a great time. There were six of us having a great time, loving life, and all of a sudden, the two other guys decided to turn everything to politics. And they had this, like, tension. They were on polar opposite sides on some points and things, right? And so I'm sitting there, you know, I'm speaking. Like, here's the deal. I'm speaking. I'm not emotionally invested into this, but I have thoughts. I have convictions. I've got kingdom-minded thoughts I'm sharing. And all of a sudden, one of the guys looked at me. He's like, well, Steve, how do you view this person? And he kind of named somebody. And I had to press pause, and I'm like, I'm gonna be honest. Like, I'm not gonna be, I'm not gonna be hyper spiritual for hyper spiritual sake. I'm gonna be honest. And I looked at the guy, and I said, I'll be honest with you. I prayed for this person almost every day. I said, when I looked at them, I said there were policies and things I did not agree with, and things I really struggled with. But I prayed for them. I asked God to. This is a true story. I'm not trying to be hyper spiritual. This just happened. It was God's work of grace, and I just said, so I just said, God, give me your heart for this person. And I prayed for them with the compassion of Jesus because I recognized how in love Jesus was with them, how he wanted to move, how he wanted to bring healing in their life, and how he wanted to stir. I said, I just always view them. Now, look, this, I'm not trying to be like Pastor Card here, but I really did view them as someone that Jesus loved that I disagreed with, and that was good. He's like, okay, fine, whatever, and turn around the conversation, right? So here's the point. I have not always lived like that. I, I'm not trying to, again, give me grace to tell that story, but the reality was I saw it in the moment, like, we don't live like that, and I, I don't always, but I did in that moment. And when I look at people in my life 
whether they're my neighbors, the people that I work with. They're not people I'm competitive with. They're not trying to be people I'm not trying to step on. There are those who I never regard from a worldly point of view. I just look at them as those whom Jesus loves, and he wants to meet them where they are because he wants to reconcile them, he wants to restore them, and he wants to give them life. And that's your invitation today. It's a pretty easy invitation, isn't it? Like, oh, I totally get that. I know what it means to be an ambassador and represent. I know what it means to minister to people. I know how to do these things. So begin to pray and ask God, Holy Spirit, would you awaken this in me? Three questions I'll leave you with. They're on the screen. You can put them up, and then we'll go into ministry time. And questions to answer. Who were you called to? It's a starting point. I think Russell talked about it last week. Like, who were you called to? Who were your neighbors? Who were the people? Who were the moments? What does it look like? What are the names? Who are you praying for? Who do you have God's heart for that you're really giving yourself to and the people and the place and that you're living in? Number two, who is supporting you? This is taken from um, Russell last week. He said, remember he talked about going to his friend Patrick and how he did it really poorly because he went by himself. And so my question for you is, like, who's praying with you? Who are you sharing with? Who is who is the person you're accountable to in the places that you're going? Great to have people literally go with you, right? Like Tammy would love to have some of you go with her when she goes back home, right? But but for years she didn't really have anybody, but there were people supporting her and loving her and praying for her. She would had a text chain, an email chain, like there was people supporting. We have got to have those people that are going with us who are saying, Hey, Barry, I'll you pray for me in this, I'll pray for you, bro, as you go and do this thing. And if I can help in any way, please let me know, right? We are literally being proactive and go trying to go with people, support them, and you're inviting people to be proactive with you. But name those people and then ask someone to go with you. And third, is your heart like Jesus? And this is more of a, it's a time between you and Jesus and the person you're accountable to. It's good to sit down and say, hey, I am really, 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 really struggling with Larry. He's getting on an everlasting nerve. He cut his long flowing locks. Now he's like a normal human being. I don't like him as much. He's a lot better with the long hair. It's so annoying. I can't even preach anymore. It's so distracting, right? Those people you struggle with. Those people who are tensions, the moments that are hard, the moments you're like, it's just so hard to turn the other cheek. It's so hard to be Jesus in the moment. You do that work with Jesus, and then you confess that to someone that you're accountable to. If you don't have accountability with someone, your spouse doesn't count. If you don't have accountability with someone who loves Jesus at least as much as you do, then I want to invite you to make that happen. If you don't know how to make that happen, I would love to help you. Okay? So, small groups is a great place to start. There's a plug to go sign up for one. Now, with that ministry chance, you can come forward. Greg can go ahead and come. I just want to invite you this morning to respond. Um, I just want to invite you to respond. I want to invite you to respond to the things that God is speaking. I want to invite you to just ask God to move this morning. There may be things this morning that, from this message specifically that you want God to move in. Or here's the deal. Maybe areas where you came this morning and said, I just really want God to bring healing to my life. Physically, emotionally, spiritually, whatever it may be. And we have teams who would just love to pray for you. 
If you come this morning just needing God to speak this morning, I invite you to come to say, hey, I just need you to pray over me, and let's just see what God prays through our team over you as he expresses his love through them to you. They want to come this morning to the altar and just lay some things down before the Lord that, man, it's like an act of repentance, just turning from a certain thing to follow after Jesus and something he's calling you to. Come to the altar. We have communion available every Sunday because there's a work of God's grace that happens every single time we take it and remember the body broken and the blood poured out. The sacrifice of Jesus that makes everything good possible for those who believe. And so often for me, communion is a time to remember and then receive again the work of God's grace. Because every day he is saving me. Every day he is saving me from the life of sin that I'm drawn to. And this is a remembrance to say, God, you're good. You're powerful and you are Lord of my life and I surrender again to you. So you respond to the Lord leads. I'll come pray us out here in a few minutes. But let's let God do this morning what God wants to do in each of us.